Samrananyu, good evening, Dumalang, and welcome to episode 147 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamandongwa Kumalo. It's APSA Home Loan Wednesday this evening on the Private Property Podcast. As usual, every Wednesday, we always bring you somebody from the APSA Home Loan team. But this time around, we've got somebody who's no stranger to the Private Property Podcast. He's not from the Home Loans team, but he is from the APSA family. And I'll introduce him in a little bit. If you're watching us from YouTube, from Instagram, or Facebook, uh, or even, of course, YouTube, then welcome to our uh, to our podcast. You can see I'm, I, I'm almost trying to go through all the social media platforms. That's because we have you covered all across the major social media platforms. So you're never going to have an excuse not to be able to watch some of our content. If you're joining us for the first time, then welcome. You have incredible episodes that you can go back to and watch and get acquainted with yourself when it comes to all things relating to property. Whether you're a property investor, whether you're a first time home buyer, whether you're in, in, interested in farming, or interested in picking that next home for you uh, in a new development. We have the shows that are catering for all types of people when it comes to their property journey. Whether you're watching the first time home buyers show, which is going to be coming this evening with Essie Class, and it's going to be right after this podcast at 7.45. And it's actually got somebody on the screen who's actually no stranger, again, to your screens, because this is, of course, the host of the uh, developer show over the weekend. Uh, so that's certainly a podcast that you do not want to miss out just after this one. And we never forget all things relating to agriculture and farming with Umbali every Tuesdays and Thursdays with the farming podcast and that comes to screens at one o'clock. So we all have, we always have something in store for you at home here on private property and something that we really love and I know that we haven't quite done it, um, you know, especially on the podcast is a competition and we thought, you know what, let's bring it up. We're counting down to episode 150 and we've got something special for you for 150 it is coming up on monday so you definitely want to make sure that you stay tuned to find out more details about what we have in store for you but this week what we do have in store for you is a competition where we want to know uh we want you to essentially choose your personality with a house and all you have to do to win in this competition is to go to privateproperty.co.za and find the home that matches your personality Take a screenshot of that home, share it down here below, and let us know why that matches your personality. And we will be announcing the winners of that competition right here live on the Private Property Podcast at 7 p.m. on Friday. Uh, so that's certainly something that you can look forward to at home. We're bringing the competitions back. We know that you love them. It is November. It's always great to walk away with something. We're also going to have something lined up for you for the next month. So it really is something to look forward to at home. Well, now to get started with this evening's, uh, you know, conversation, which I think is so interesting, because the last time we had our guest, I did ask him that I wanted to bring him on for us to, to talk about the different kinds of asset classes, because we often talk about properties and asset class, the different ways you can acquire property what you can and cannot do, how to do, uh, you know, whatever it is that you want to do in order to maximize that as an asset class. And we really explore other asset classes that you're able to tap into, um, even when you do have, uh, you know, your, your bit of the property pie. And we're looking at investing in different asset classes with Ricardo Smith, who's the head of investment strategy at APSA Global Investment Solutions. Good evening, Ricardo, and thank you so much for joining us. Evening, uh, Zama. Thanks for having me back on your show. 
I, it's only a pleasure, you know, I, and I'm so glad that you were able to come back on because I did say the last time you were here that we definitely wanted to have you back on to have a look at other asset classes because we just touched on it, but didn't explore it, you know, extensively. And I think perhaps a, a very good starting point, um, you know, when we look at this one is, and we sometimes even talk about it a little bit in property, but I'm, I'm very interested in how we're also able to use it in other asset classes. You know, one of the big things that often divides people who talk about investments um, in South Africa, especially is, you know, in looking at investments from an active versus a passive perspective. Some people always talking about, you know, I want my money to work for itself while I'm sleeping. Other people, you know, saying we grind, they sleep. So there's almost a very different kinds of paradigms when it comes to investment strategy or investment approach. Perhaps tell us the, you know, the difference between these two and what investors should essentially um, consider when deciding which style to opt for. For sure. Um, so the good news is that uh, both styles, uh, active and passive investments, uh, ensures that your money continues working for you even whilst you sleep. Um, where the fundamental difference is between these two styles is that uh, passive investments is essentially investing in index tracking uh, funds that simply track the market. So they're not looking to outperform the market in any way. They're just looking to perform in line uh, with the market. And it's typically weighted by the size of each company in the portfolio. Whereas active investment is you know, investing in funds that seek to outperform the market, whether it's uh, upside participation, uh, risk management, um, or adding uh, you know, equity to your portfolio that will add some form of diversification. And one of the other differences is that with uh, active investment, you typically uh, pay a higher investment management fees because of all the services that you get, both uh, from an alpha generating perspective and from a risk uh, management perspective. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the, the other things, Ricardo, that's actually very similar again to, to property because we hear this one um, when we talk to especially investors in the property space who manage their own portfolios or perhaps have asset managers who manage their own portfolio is looking at the difference between you know, value and growth investing. I think oftentimes in, in property, people will look at it as are you investing for cash flow or for capital appreciation and understanding which sort of path you're taking, especially when you're starting off um, in the beginning and maybe later on you're able to kind of mix the two uh, but it does help to understand which of the two you are doing because it helps inform the kinds of property deals that you're going to be um, you know, looking at and, and pursuing. Whereas if you don't quite have an understanding of which strategy you're going to go with, it can be uh, very difficult for you to play to that strategy. Perhaps explain these two when it comes to you know, investment strategies in other asset classes. Okay, perfect. Um, so the concept of value, you know, versus quality growth is, you know, it, it's one of those um, uh, philosophies that have been around for quite some time. Uh, value investing is typically characterized by investing in uh, equities that appear to be cheap uh, in the market. It's typically equities that are, you know, out of favor from the market uh, and from either a price to book a ratio or, 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 or price to earnings perspective those shares appear cheap to purchase at that point in time. Uh, Whereas quality growth typically involves in investing in high quality companies that are typically expensive, but are expected to generate quite a lot of uh, earnings uh, growth uh, into the future. 
Now, the beauty, you know, from what we do from an investment strategy perspective is that throughout the different market cycles, we ensure that uh, our portfolios have sufficient exposure uh, in each of these factors so that whichever style outperforms, uh, you know, the other style, you, you, you are able to participate, uh, you know, on the upside when, when that style uh, rallies. And, what, and more importantly, sorry, um, that, you know, is never emphasized in investments is, you know, risk management. Uh, oftentimes, you can, you know, allocate to certain factors and certain styles uh, just from a risk mitigation perspective and not necessarily um, you know, from, from, from uh, an alpha perspective. Mm-hmm. And when you look at that risk management, Ricardo, I mean, what are some of the considerations? And I know oftentimes, you, you know, be dealing with an asset manager. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, some people perhaps might want to DIY it themselves, but what should we be thinking about when we think of risk and, you know, investing in other asset classes? For sure. Um, you know, the key is really, you know, the starting point is your objectives. Your objectives, the term of those objectives, uh, and your risk appetite and attitude towards risk. So, for your longer-term investments, you definitely want to be involved. Uh, you know, be invested in uh, equity markets, in property, uh, both local and offshore. And then, for your shorter-term objectives, you certainly want to be invested in cash and cash equivalents, um, and also just focusing on the long term and not uh, letting short-term volatility influence your decision-making uh, process. Mm. And I think, you know, when, when, when I think about not letting short-term volatility affect the process, I am reminded of what actually happened earlier this year when we went into lockdown. A lot of, um, you know, obviously the market was affected. We saw people pulling out some of their money and a lot of them were pulling out their money as you, the value was sort of going down and effectively weren't able to recover any of that money. Whereas had they actually just left it, we found that right now, a lot of the, the, the you know, the asset classes that they're essentially investing, investing in um, have recovered and are back to where they were pre-lockdown. So it, it is a difficult one to kind of wrap your head around, I guess, because when you're looking at your money and you're looking at the value you know, drastically dropping. I mean, I saw people looking at their pension statement and looking at the value significantly dropping and how much um, that it decreased. You can't help but panic because a part of you thinks that's going to keep continuing uh, for an extended period of time as opposed to the market almost finding a way to almost self-rectify or things going back to where they were, you know, prior to whatever crisis that you're finding yourselves in. So it is a very difficult one for normal folks to kind of for us to wrap our heads around because it's almost a you're looking at i mean i can almost imagine somebody looking at their bank account for example if if you see money going down in your bank account you want to panic and do something as opposed to thinking no maybe this is going to somehow solve itself so it's very different of course when you're looking at it from an investment perspective so it is quite important to to have a long-term focus and know that sometimes there'll be dips um, but it's also going to go up. So not making some of those decisions too quickly because you may actually end up losing quite a bit of money. Now, Ricardo, I think one of the things that often, and it trips me over you know, quite a lot, is when we look at different other asset classes, you know, people who invest in shares or in unit trusts, 
uh, often will punt that quite a lot, you know, whereas I know that there are also other people who are like, look, I've tried these kinds of asset classes. Um, I mean, I've tried these kinds of unit trusts or shares and I lost so much money. We saw earlier this year, I'm, I'm not actually going to mention companies because there was the, 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 the fuel uh, <laughs> company <laughs> where a lot of people took way too many bets, many people lost money, many people made money. So it's been interesting to kind of observe people who do invest um, in shares and unit trust. Because perhaps, you know, explain which one is potentially more ideal or how we should be thinking about which one to choose when we look at, you know, investing directly via shares or via a unit trust. Um, for sure. And, uh, you know, the, the, the fundamental difference, firstly, between investing uh, directly in shares versus in unit trust is, you know, capital gains tax, where in your unit trust, um, whenever the fund manager or portfolio manager rebalances your portfolio within the unit trust, um, you don't get to pay capital gains tax, whereas in direct shares, uh, whenever you sell in and out of a share, you, you have to pay uh, your capital gains tax where you've had uh, capital gains. In the share portfolio, um, you know, you've got more direct influence and flexibility over the, 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 the shares you want to be exposed to, uh, whereas in the unit trust, you typically have less control and is at the remit of the fund manager or portfolio manager. Uh, but what is key, you know, in the unit trust as well, is that you get quite a lot of diversification as the fund manager is typically able to buy certain shares that you may not be able uh, to necessarily acquire in your own portfolio. I mean, I think about, you know, shares like the Amazon share, you yeah. know, which is currently sitting at around, you know, three, 4,000 USD uh, 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 per share. Uh, so to add that into your portfolio and still maintain a, a well-diversified portfolio with a limited budget becomes very difficult. And uh, quite importantly as well, in the unit trust perspective is that you benefit from the uh, fund, uh, you know, uh, research and from the portfolio manager's experience and expertise. Uh, whereas the share portfolio, it's, it's really a, a kind of do-it-yourself uh, perspective, uh, but you can also go that route with a portfolio manager that will help you structure your portfolio. Mm. I, I am in conversation with Ricardo Smith, who's the head of investment strategy at AFSA Global Investment Solutions. And we're looking at investing in different asset classes. I think one of the very important things that we often talk about on the Private Property Podcast is diversifying your you know investment as much as possible we talk a lot about property and even within the property space itself there are various ways that you can diversify uh, your property portfolio and now exploring other asset classes uh, that can work with you on your property goals or perhaps on on your other investment goals because i think one of the big things is beyond having a property investment goal you very likely have an overarching investment goal and finding out and getting a sense of what are the other uh, investment vehicles are available for you to be able to use becomes so important. We are taking your questions and comments at home. If you've ever wondered about other asset classes, perhaps how they work, or there's something that you're still struggling with when it comes to the other asset classes. I think one of the big things that you know sometimes draws people towards uh, property, um, as opposed to, for example, buying shares or unit trusts, I, I tend to find is people saying, well, somebody else is effectively paying for it. Uh, because your tenant is paying for the rent and if you've you're bought at the right price, 
price price point, they're very likely paying for all the other um, you know related costs of having that property. So some people tend to like that option slightly more because you're not out of pocket at all. But of course, we are seeing that you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket. We're going to go for a quick break, and when we come back, we'll be taking more of your questions and comments, and we're also going to be exploring. I think one of the big things that I want us to then explore is the different ways or the different options that are available for us when we then decide to invest because i think we've gotten a good sense of what the lay of the land is in terms of other different asset classes so what options really now are available for us to be able to tap into we're going to be back just after this Welcome back to the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamantungwa Kumalo. It's a Wednesday, and as usual on Wednesday, we always have somebody from the APSA team, and we're talking this evening about investing in different asset classes to Ricardo Smith, who's the head of investment strategy at APSA Global Investment Solutions. And as one of the other things that, of course, happens on Wednesday is the first time home buyers show with SC Clausen that's going to be coming just after this podcast at 7.45. That's something that you do not want to miss out. And this evening, she's going to be chatting to Chad, uh, who is, of course, no stranger to our screens. He is the host of the uh, developer show over the weekend, every Saturday and Sunday at one o'clock. That's something that you don't want to miss out on. And they'll be talking about my top tips for first time property uh, buyer looking to buy into a development. So if you're looking to buy into a development, and if anything, Chad would know all about this. I mean, he speaks to developers all the time. Uh, So he's probably going to be sharing, you know, really good tips for you if you're looking to buy into a development. So do stay tuned there for the first time home buyer show that's coming to your screen just after the show at 7.45, right here across all the social media platforms for private property. Now, Ricardo, I mentioned before the show, that before the the break rather, that one of the things I want us to explore now is what what options are essentially available when deciding what funds to invest in? Because I think at home, we're probably not as knowledgeable on the different funds that are available. And as much as we're able to go to you know, the various funds websites and have a you know read at what that fund entails, how exposed they are, whether they invest X percent locally or offshore, how should we be you know, thinking about which funds we want to be um, investing in? Mm. Um, so when you look at funds, you know, the first uh, layer of decision is that whether you want to invest in a single asset fund which will typically be either an equity fund, a bond fund, a listed property fund, or any of the asset classes, both locally and offshore, um, or whether you want to invest in a balanced fund. So a balanced fund will typically invest uh, in each of these uh, asset classes, 
uh, according to their uh, own uh, asset allocation. And within that framework of balance fund, you will actually have uh, various uh, risk profiles, which will be correlated to the equity allocation within each fund. So we'll have medium and high equity funds, which are typically for long-term uh, growth. And uh, whether you go for medium equity or high equity, it really depends on your appetite for risk. Uh, you'd have your low equity funds, which are a bit more medium term uh, from a growth perspective. Another you know, element uh, that one would need to consider is whether you want to go with a you know, single layer or fund manager or whether you want to invest in a multi-management fund. So a single fund will do uh, everything uh, essentially in-house. Uh, each of these uh, asset classes, we can look at them internally, whereas a multi-manager will go out there to vet all the various fund managers that are, that are in industry and will try to select a best of breed uh, to, you know, to give you the best uh, portfolio that they can construct from all the funds that are in the market. Um, you know, on top of that, what you then need to consider is uh, the layer of fees. Uh, so multi-management funds uh, can potentially have higher fees as they have uh, two layers of, 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 of fees, uh, the initial fund and the underlying funds that the multi-manager invests in. Uh, but certainly a bit of purchasing power with a multi-management fund as they can negotiate uh, reduced fees at, as, uh, at institutional rates uh, with the underlying funds. Um, so really about what you want to do um, and uh, thinking about how to construct a diversified uh, portfolio from that universe of funds. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that tends to come up, Ricardo, when we talk about investing in any asset class, really, is your appetite for risk um, and balancing that with having very realistic, um, you know, goals in terms of what you want to, what kind of returns you're looking at. I mean, sometimes when I you know, think about property, there certain investors will say they're not going to look at it deal unless it's double digit yield. Um, some will say, and a lot of people sometimes would think, you know, how is it possible to get 12% yield in this in this market? Because they're probably not able to find the kind of deals that presents those kinds of returns. Uh, so how should we be thinking about, you know, our risk appetite and the kinds of returns that we're able to get, uh, especially understanding the um, economic climate that we're in now, but also particularly when we look at how other asset classes work, because I think sometimes people do have unrealistic expectations about the kind of return that they're able to, to get, especially when you're looking at people who perhaps are not investing for the long run and are probably just thinking, look, if, if in a three-year period I can make X amount of money, but the moment you sit down with an asset manager and they're able to say, actually, that that's not really realistic. Um, even if you were to, you know, work at, uh, put your money in an aggressive fund, you're very likely not going to be getting those kinds of returns. So how should we be thinking about those two? For sure. Um, so you, you definitely can't think of one without the other. Um, and to overlay that uh, risk return dynamic is, is really the term of investment uh, and your own financial personality. Um, and so, you know, when you want long-term growth, um, it typically comes at the cost of short-term volatility as you typically be invested uh, in a high equity fund uh, with allocation to risky asset classes such as local and offshore equity, including listed property. Uh, and then, you know, in terms of uh, your emergency funds uh, and, you know, your shorter-term objectives, you certainly want 
to invest that in asset classes like uh, money markets, core income funds, uh, deposits, and other cash uh, equivalents. Um, and so you can't divorce that conversation of risk versus return um, and overlaid with the term uh, of investments. Uh, and, and so I think you put it well when, when, you know, when you speak of expectations. You know, the expectations really need to be aligned uh, with uh, reality. And with the high equity funds, uh, you know, you, you can find equity markets up in any given year, you know, 20% or more. Uh, and in a different year, you can, you know, get them um, negative, um, maybe 10%, 15%. But really what we try and do in those high equity funds is that we try and look at the long-term return and the trend to say that over a five, you know, to, to, to 10 year period, what kind of returns can we expect from each of these asset classes and these uh, portfolios? Mm. And, and I think, Ricardo, one of the things that typically tends to happen when we look at, you know, other asset classes um, is the role of a financial advisor. Um, perhaps take us through the role of the financial advisor in helping us make some of these decisions. Because, you know, if I think through some of the, you know, things that we've spoken about this evening, a lot of us very likely may not know some of this information and probably don't quite know how to best navigate that. So how does then you know, a financial advisor come into the picture in assisting us uh, with ensuring that we're able to make the right decisions? So, so a financial advisor has a very crucial role to play in all of this. Uh, first and foremost, you know, they'll be there to assist you make up you know, your budget in terms of where your money is going. Um, you know, they'll perform a needs analysis, looking at your current needs, future needs, and as your needs evolve over time. And, you know, they look at both uh, your wealth accumulation needs versus your protection needs, uh, be it insurance, um, you know, or, 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 or any other type of uh, financial products. Uh, and then from that, um, you, you know, point, they can start tailor-making an investment solution that meets your needs um, and, and, and your views and philosophies and, and how you feel about, you know, uh, some of these things, whether you want to go active or passive. Uh, or whether you want, you know, a, a low-cost portfolio, uh, you don't really care about active, um, and what your objectives are and what your goals are, and help you really uh, personalize, uh, you know, the, your, your investment portfolio to your uh, uh, situation. Mm-hmm. And and Ricardo, if if we then look at some of the options that we've spoken about um, this evening, are these investment options? offered by APSA and how can potential you know, investors or viewers at home access uh, what the bank has on offer? Uh, definitely, all these uh, financial services are offered by APSA. Uh, the easiest thing is simply walking into a branch and asking to speak to a financial advisor. Um, you can also go online through our APSA stockbrokers and portfolio managers um, you know, to open your own stockbroking account if you want to be in control of your portfolio. Um, you can also look at, you know, the APSA app and buy some of the unit trusts um, from, you know, directly from the app and set up your debit orders, as well as our websites, you know, uh, you know, we'll have all of these products. Um, but if you are feeling a bit confused and overwhelmed by some of these things, the best thing really is to speak to a financial advisor who will take you through your own personal financial journey and look at, you know, uh, products across investments, insurance, banking, uh, wills and estate uh, planning, and not only at one point in time, but also change them to reflect your conditions and circumstances as they change. And 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 as you speak about not just only in one point in time, but also be mindful of 
almost the different stages. Uh, perhaps before we wrap up, almost take us through what we should be thinking about, let's say in different stages. I mean, we're millennials right now, um, and perhaps we're, you know, let's say late 20s, early 30s. Um, how should we be thinking about some of our investment needs versus perhaps once we're in our late 30s, so the older millennials, uh, early 40s, and maybe people who are going to be starting off in our 50s, how should we be thinking about it in relation to our age and where we potentially are um, in life? Uh, for sure. So, you know, the biggest liability that uh, any working professional has is retirement, that you're going to yeah. reach a stage where you can't earn an income or at the very least can't earn the same income that you used to earn, but are used to a certain type of lifestyle. So it's quite, you know, significant to start thinking about that uh, as early as possible. So as soon as you start working, certainly, you know, you need your retirement annuities, you need your long-term investments, you need to start putting away money, um, you, know, for, you know, for your retirement. And the longer you invest, really, the better. Um, you know, time in the market is very significant due to how, you know, returns and interest are compounds. Um, and then throughout the different life stages of your life, you know, think about, you know, how you deal with shocks to your system. Um, you know, do you have an emergency fund in place? Do you have, you know, a significant amount of savings in cash and cash equivalents should you experience a rainy day? Um, and other, you know, financial products from your, your life insurance, uh, your health insurance, uh, and your short-term insurance, as those can disrupt you quite severely financially. Um, and one thing that young professionals don't think about are things like uh, critical illness and dread disease cover, um, you know, which is another huge threat to your livelihood. Um, because should you find yourself in a position where you are unable to earn at an early uh, stage of your career and you, know, you still have to live this long life, but you've got no way of funding it. Um, and so those are all the things that you, know, you need to think about, both from the investment uh, perspective, uh, as well as you know, the, the protection uh, perspective. Well, Ricardo, we are going to leave it there this evening. Thank you so much for, you know, taking us through some of the things that we need to be thinking about when we're exploring other asset classes. I think it's one of those things that we often don't talk enough about um, and expose ourselves as much as possible to before making those investment decisions. Thank you for having me. And that was Ricardo Smith, who's the head of investment strategy at AFSA Global Investment Solution. And that brings us to the end of this evening's private property podcast with myself, Zamantungwa Kumalo. This evening, I do not leave you alone. You're going to be in the capable hands of Estee Klassen, who's going to be coming to your screens shortly with the first time home buyers show. We do hope that you're going to enjoy that one. I'm back on your screen tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. as usual. And I do hope that you're going to be enjoying this show uh, with Estee class and until then i'll be back on your screens tomorrow